Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. More than anything, this paragraph is foreshadowing of John's resurrection. I could make a video out of this, just that. Like, what will John's resurrection look like? It'll look just like Drogo's pyre. In fact, I probably should make that video. Instead of just doing three-hour live streams. Hey there, friends. David Lightbringer here with another video. That's right, where I'm coming at you twice in the same week. And in the last video, uh, Night King's new body, I talked about one of my favorite topics, which of course is John's body being stolen by the others and used to lead the invasion of Westeros. So obviously, if John's body is stolen and possessed by the others with their ice magic, we do have to assume that at some point he'll be freed from that enchantment. Right? He's not just going to stay in ice white. The rest of the story, that would be weird. So this would be where the various ideas about John's resurrection, which are popular in the fandom, would come in, i.e. Melisandre's relorist magic, hearts bathed in fire, praise Relore, uh, or Bran and Bloodraven's weirwood magic, which I also expect to play a role, especially as we look at the foreshadowing of John's resurrection pyre. And that's what we're going to talk about today, John's fiery resurrection from a pyre and what it will look like. That is to say, it's going to look like Drogo's pyre, where Danny burned the body of Cal Drogo, her husband, and woke the dragons from stone, fulfilled the Azor High prophecy. Of course, most of us think about Danny and John as some sort of two-headed Azor High reborn monster. There may be a third head of the Azor High dragon looking at Euron, maybe someone else. But the point is, John and Danny, both the prince that was promised. They both seem to be fulfillment of prophecy. Danny already fulfilled the Azor High prophecy. John needs to do it too. And his rebirth is kind of the logical place to look for that. So while we were doing the read along for the chapter where John kills Corn Halfhand and Corn's uh, body is burned on a pyre, I noticed detailed foreshadowing of John's pyre mirroring Drogo's pyre. So you'll actually get to watch me kind of walk up to this realization, which is a little bit of behind the curtains for you. So it'll be fun. And as we discussed last time, Corrin's death is essentially written to mirror John's in many ways, both the literal way that he died and some of the symbolic language. And therefore, Rattleshirt claiming Corrin's bones seems to foreshadow the others claiming John's bones, John's body, John Snow's body, if you will. Shout out to John Brown, one of my heroes. Famous abolitionist John Brown. All right. So if Corrin's death parallels John's, then Corrin's pyre would thus seem to foreshadow John's pyre. But actually, there are two important bonfires in this chapter, which in fact opens with John and Corrin having a long talk about death and the Night's Watch over a very prominent and symbolically rich campfire. So these two bonfires, the campfire and Corrin's funeral pyre, mirror one another and in fact seem to combine to show us that John's resurrection pyre will look like Drogo's pyre. Pyre, 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 pants on fire. 
Now, before we start into this exciting read-along footage captured uh, just a week or so ago, let me give you the relevant quotes from the scene of Drogo's pyre that I'll be referring to in just a moment. My very first essay ever in the whole wide world about A Song of Ice and Fire consisted of breaking down this scene. So for old school fans of mythical astronomy, a little bit of a walk down memory lane and scene that's well familiar to us. So check this first quote out. It says, the flames writhed before her like the women who had danced at her wedding, whirling and singing and spinning their yellow and orange and crimson veils, fearsome to behold, yet lovely, so lovely, alive with heat. Danny opened her arms to them, her skin flushed and glowing. This is a wedding too, she thought. So I actually refer to the scene as the alchemical wedding because as you can see, Danny thinks of it as a kind of magical wedding where she, as the bride of fire, is wedding the fire magic, which will transform her and of course wake the dragons. So Danny sees these fiery wedding dancers in the flames, whirling their fiery cloaks. And a minute later, she actually also sees fiery sorcerers with that quote going like this. The flames were so beautiful, the loveliest thing she had ever seen, each one a sorcerer robed in yellow and orange and scarlet, swirling long smoky cloaks. So fiery dancers, fiery sorcerers, and then we have Drogo himself, who is intended, of course, to be conveyed up to the stars, up to the Red Comet, actually, in a sort of mystical sense. But Drogo also appears to Danny's eyes to rise again from the pyre, and in fact, we see that he's dressed exactly the same as the fiery dancers and sorcerers. And now the flames reached her Drogo, and now they were all around him. His clothing took fire, and for an instant the cowl was clad in wisps of floating orange silk and tendrils of curling smoke, gray and greasy. She saw a horse, a great gray stallion limbed in smoke, its flowing mane a nimbus of blue flame. Yes, my love, my sun and stars, yes, mount now, ride now. Now, she thought, now, and for an instant, she glimpsed Cal Drogo before her, mounted on his smoky stallion, a flaming lash in his hand. He smiled, and the whip snaked down at the pyre, hissing. And that, of course, is when the first dragon's egg cracks, seeming to crack from the lash of Drogo's whip. So there you go. The waking dragons and Danny surviving the pyre do kind of steal the show, but the language of the scene also implies Drogo as going through a kind of fiery resurrection, clad in the robes of living fire, and we also see these mysterious flaming dancers and sorcerers, who, again, are similarly robed in red, orange, and yellow fire. At this point, I'm quite certain that this language is actually foreshadowing John's own resurrection, with Melisandre playing the role of Danny and walking into the pyre and thus appearing as a fiery sorcerer robed in red and crimson and fiery silks. But let's go ahead and start the read-along clip now that you have that background fresh in your mind. I'll see you again in a moment. John went to cut more branches, snapping each one in two before tossing it into the flames. The tree had been dead a long time, but it seemed to live again in the fire as fiery dancers woke within each stick of wood to whirl and spin in their glowing gowns of yellow, red, and orange. Oh my God, is it the alchemical wedding? What's going on? Yes, this is the same language as the alchemical wedding. Fiery dancers whirling and spinning with gowns of yellow, red, and orange. That's word for word. The same thing that Danny saw in the fire. 
And don't forget that fire that she builds for Drogo is a very important weirwood symbol. It's got the wood, it's a wooden pyre. So it's a wooden tower that catches on fire in order to convey Drogo's spirit to the stars. So it's a, it's a wooden transcendence tower that gets lit on fire. And the column of smoke rises literally just like the mushroom cloud. Okay, so there's explosions. The eggs crack open and the dragons are born. So you get that meteor cracking sounds. And you get these fiery dancers. And so here, the tree had been dead a long time. But it seemed to live again in the fire. So there's a... Something's happened. Something is awakening out of the weirwood net in fire here. This is the rebirth of Azor High. This could be the rebirth of these Night's Watchmen when they were first made, the green zombies, because they could they could have been made with fire. Absolutely. There's a lot of fire white symbolism of the watch. I am the sword in the darkness, the fire that burns against the cold or whatever it is. And check out the uh, Melisandre's Secret series for the whole fire... Fire Night's Watch stuff. So something is going to come out of the Weirwood Nets in fire. I mean, this is probably John's rebirth that we're talking about. If you think about it, I've often said that John's resurrection scene will parallel Drogo's pyre and Danny's birthing of the dragons. Because that's the scene where Danny fulfills the Azor High prophecy. Under a bleeding star, she wakes dragons from stone. It's very obvious. Well, John also is Azor High and needs to fulfill the prophecy. So when the comet returns in the next book, which it's going to, John will be resurrected under that bleeding star, and we should see all the language of the alchemical wedding. He essentially will be Drogo. He will be on a wooden pyre, just like Drogo was, and just as Drogo seemed to ride the smoky stallion from the pyre into the sky, John's spirit will resurrect from this burning pyre. And then he that's how we'll know he's Azor High Reborn. He's gonna fulfill all the, he will be the dragon. So in Danny's pyre, we had dead Drogo and then Drogon the dragon, the black dragon waking from the fire, right? So in John's pyre, we'll have dead John, a solar king and a Danny husband figure, but he's also gonna be the waking dragon. So Drogo, Drogon, the same role. But in Danny's Pyre, it's played by the person and the dragon. John plays both roles. He's going to be burning Drogo, and then he'll be the black dragon that wakes in fire from the pyre. So, more than anything, this paragraph is foreshadowing of John's resurrection. Yeah, no, um, Drogon and John are exactly the same. If you forget about the fact that one is a dragon person and one is a dragon. Um, which is not even that much different. They're the same. Um, they have all the same symbolism. The winged shadow, John, is a shadow in black who's always got, you know, got a raven with him. All the black dragon symbolism of John, like he's like a black sword in the darkness. He's like dragon glass. Even, you could even look at like the parallel of, so John's coloring is, he's all in black, okay? But his wolf is white and red. Well, Danny is basically completely pale she has silver hair very pale skin just pale everything but then her dragon is black and red so they have the same inverted color schemes with them and their animals it's pretty great stuff i should do more john and danny 
Sometimes I neglect the low-hanging fruit. I'm terrible. All right, so me and my more heavily bearded former self have sketched out the basic idea of the theory. And there's actually another amazing quote about John and Corin's campfire that I'll show you in a minute, which uses even more language from Danny's alchemical wedding. Corin actually compares the campfire to a wedding fire, but we'll get to that in a minute. So just right there, we've had a tree, which has been dead a long time, seeming to live again as these fiery dancers are waking from each stick of wood to dance in their relore-like swirling red and crimson cloaks. So obviously the dead tree seeming to resurrect from the pyre would be John. He's the one who's going to resurrect from the pyre. And uh, so the question then becomes, who are these fiery dancers that sound kind of like Reloris? Um Yeah, I'm sort of giving away the answer here, but the next quote actually is where I catch on to it in the stream. So check this out. And this will be the quote about Corn's body being burned. Then it says, here's, the, here's a continuation of half-hand foreshadowing John, basically. You know, he died the same way as John with the neck wound. Then it says, they burned corn half-hand where he'd fallen on a pyre made of pine needles, brush, and broken branches. And remember, John was breaking all the branches when he was putting them in the fire when it says the tree had been dead a long time but seemed to live again. So, again, broken branches... Some of the wood was still green, <laughs> and it burned slow and smoky, sending a black plume up into the bright, hard blue of the sky. So there's our smoke plume, our mushroom cloud. Afterward, Rattleshirt claimed some charred bones, while the others threw dice for the ranger's gear. Ygritte won his cloak. Hello again, it's me, and I hope <laughs> going back and forth from the bearded guy to the not-bearded guy is not too weird for you, but it's, it's me, it's the same guy, and... As I said before, the otherish Lord of Bones claims Corn's bones, and the other wildlings toss dice for Corn's gear. So that represents John's body being claimed by the others. We've talked about that. But notice that Ygritte claims Corn's black cloak. John's black cloak, of course, and all the Night's Watch cloaks are shadow cloaks. It says, Shadows are friends to men in black, John dressed in darkness. His cloak, you know, makes him like a shadow. So it's a black shadow cloak. And indeed, I think it represents John's actual shadow, as in his ghost, being drawn from the pyre. So just as Ygritte claims the corn's cloak from the pyre, who's going to claim John's shadow from the pyre? That reminds us of Ygritte. Again, I've, I've already given away the answer. It's Melisandre, of course, whom John even momentarily confuses for Ygritte in that one scene by the wall in A Dance with Dragons. Melisandre and Ygritte, obviously both redheads. They're both weirwood maidens. They both kind of look like weirwood trees, and they play that Nissa Nissa role. More obviously, Mel is the only one we'd really expect to be walking into John's pyre. We, we, we expect her to be around there, and we could see that she would be capable of walking into a fire and maybe even surviving it or turning into a living flame. Who knows? Check out the Melisandre Secret Series where I speculate about this. And, of course, Mel would be walking into the pyre to be helping to resurrect John. That would be the point. Now, it's very important to understand Relorist resurrection is a form of shadow binding. Melisandre is both a Relorist priestess and a shadow binder, but actually those are kind of the same thing. All the Relorist resurrections are, in fact, shadow binding. 
I believe I proved this in the Mel's Secret series. Essentially, what they're doing is they're binding someone's shadow to their resurrected corpse. Remember, the body is not, it doesn't come back to full living processes. It's just a walking corpse that's reanimated with relorist fire magic. And then whatever is left of the person's ghost, or shadow if you want to say, is somehow bound to the walking corpse. That's what we see with Barrack and Cat. They are shadow, shadows bound to animated corpses. And of course, John's ghost will be in his wolf, Ghost. That's why the wolf is named Ghost. It's going to be a soul jar for John's shadow or spirit. And that ghost, well, will need to put it back in John's body as his body is freed from otherish icy enchantment. So Mel entering John's pyre to work with his shadow, to claim his shadow, that makes perfect sense. And we can all remember all of Melisandre's talk about how tall and dark John's shadow is against the wall and how she'd really like to make a shadow baby with John. You know, R'hllor made us male and female. We can make light and shadows. Now, as I said before, John himself is actually going to be the shadow baby, the shadow entity that Melisandre creates with some sort of alchemical, fiery bonfire transformation scene. It's going to fulfill the Azor High prophecy. You see how this is going to go. And, of course, also you should remember that Melisandre... When she talks about burning people, she speaks of it as releasing their soul from from bondage, from like its earthly prison. So, how would she think to release John's spirit? Yeah, it's it's going to take some burning. The wolf ghost might be in the pyre too. We'll talk about that a different time. The wolf spirit will be with John when it goes back to his corpse, so it's not quite as sad as you think. But let's talk about burning ghost a different time. John will actually be a burning ghost. That's the point. And yeah, Mel speaks of burning people as releasing their soul. So to really hammer this theory home, guys, here is the opening of the chapter with Corn and John building that campfire. So John's thinking about dying as the chapter opens, but also thinking that it will be good to warm up again. And that's basically the theory in a nutshell. John's going to die and he'll be very cold the memory of all warmth will flee from him as Bran foresees in his vision in A Game of Thrones. But John will feel good when he's warm again, thanks to Melisandre of Ashai. When Corrin Halfhand told him to find some brush for a fire, John knew their end was near. It will be good to feel warm again, if only for a little while, he told himself, while he hacked bare branches from the trunk of a dead tree. Ghost sat on his haunches, watching, silent as ever. Will he howl for me when I'm dead, as Bran's wolf howled when he fell? John wondered. Will Shaggy Dog howl far off in Winterfell and Grey Wind in Nymeria, wherever they might be? The moon was rising behind one mountain, and the sun sinking behind another, as John struck sparks from flint and dagger, until finally a wisp of smoke appeared. I love that sentence because it's just, it's like, just such good mythical astronomy. The moon's, the moon, uh, the sun's going down and the moon's coming up. So you can just see it going, whoop, whoop. And in the middle, in the cosmic axis spot, is John. And he's got, they've got a dead tree, and they've got Ghost, who is, looks like a weird tree. Now, check this out. This is one of my favorite quotes in the book. A wisp of smoke appears, and wisp means ghost. So just let me point that out. 
Corn came over and stood over him as the first flame rose up flickering from the shavings of bark and dead dry pine needles. As shy as a maid on her wedding night, the big ranger said in a soft voice, and near as fair. Sometimes a man forgets how pretty a fire can be. So we've got a shy maid. Remember, we've talked about all the Nissa Nissa maidens are shy maids. You know, there's Asha, there's Melisandre of a shy, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, on and on and on. So here we have a shy maid, but it's a flame, and it's coming from some wood. But that flame is also a wisp, so it's a ghost, a ghostly flame and a shy maid. It's coming from the wood, and it's fair. It's, she's beautiful. She's a lovely maid. And it looks like a, a maid on her wedding night. So we should think of Danny and the alchemical wedding, where she saw um, you know, fiery dancers and sorcerers in the flames. Because this is a, a, a creature appearing in the flame. It's a, a shy made flame. And there's also a, a matching quote in the Winterfell Crypts where Osha the Wildling strikes a fire and uh, the flame is like a maid right in front of her face. And she's literally Osha the maiden, Oshai maiden. So good stuff. But it gets worse. So he was not a man you'd expect to speak of maids and wedding nights. So far as John knew, Corrin had spent his whole life in the watch. Did he ever love a maid or have a wedding? He could not ask. Instead, he fanned the fire. When the blaze was all a crackle, he peeled off his stiff gloves to warm his hands inside, wondering if ever a kiss had felt as good. So that fiery kiss, that's a R'hllor symbol. We've seen that a bunch of times. And of course, it's a maiden. So John, being the Azor High character, is interacting with this fire maiden, this shy maiden who's coming from the burning wood. And so, yeah, it's like a kiss. The warmth spread through his fingers like melting butter. So there's, okay, so there's, sounds like a Rolorist encounter. And it says, the half-hand eased himself to the ground and sat cross-legged by the fire, the flickering light playing across the hard planes of his face. All right, so again, this is the same bonfire from which the dead tree seemed to resurrect, to live again in the flames, and from which the fiery dancers appeared in their red cloaks. So as you can see, it's just more language that mirrors Drogo's pyre. The wisps rising from the flames, just as Drogo seemed to wear wisps of fiery silk. And of course, the fiery maiden on her wedding night language, which so strongly evokes Danny's alchemical wedding. So this shy maiden thing is kind of a wordplay joke, guys. Um, the Nissa Nissa parallel characters are not actually shy. We're talking about Ygrit, Melisandre of a shy, Osha the Wildling, Ashara Dane, Asha Greyjoy, on and on. Um, this is a reference to Nissa Nissa being a weirwood maiden because the weirwoods are modeled on Yggdrasil, the famous ash tree of Norse mythology. That's right, it's the, it's the world tree, it's an ash tree. So the children of the forest are weirwood maidens. And I'm pretty sure Nissa Nissa was a child of the forest, and that is like being an ash tree maiden because the weirwoods are like Yggdrasil. Thus, all the Nissa Nissa maidens have some sort of ash wordplay, Melisandre of a shy. John even looks at Mel one time and says, you must have ashes in your eyes. Just so we realize that George wants us to think of ashes when we think of 
Melisandre of Eshai. Anyway, uh, check out the Weirwood Goddess videos for the longer and more detailed explanation. But for now, simply think about this shy maiden flame in the campfire from the John and Corrin chapter as a clever way to imply that it will be Melisandre of Ashai who helps dead John live again in the flames, just as we expect. Now, there's actually several other parallel scenes with these fiery dancers and sorcerers waking from pyres and dead trees and things. They always sound like they're dressed like Reloris. And I mentioned one of those parallels, Osha the Wildling lighting some sort of flame in the Winterfell crypts that's described as... Uh, a shy maid or a slender maiden. So because that scene takes place in the Winterfell crypts, we can presume that this is another foreshadowing of Jon's resurrection in fire, since, of course, that's where the Stark kings of winter reside, and that's what Jon will be, a king of winter. And, of course, because that's the place where Jon is always dreaming of. And most of us imagine Jon completing his crypts dream while he's dead. Maybe he's going to meet Lyanna, Maybe they get to strum Rhaegar's ghost harp. Who knows? We'll take a look at that Osha the Wildling in the Winterfell Crypts chapter a different time so we can hash it all out. But the idea is simple. It's Osha lighting the flame in the crypts, and that flame makes the dead kings of winter seem to stir. And, of course, it will be Melisandre of Ashai lighting Jon's bonfire and then making Jon stir and rise as a fiery king of winter. Bran is also present in the Osha chapter, and Bran will probably also be present, at least in spirit, when Jon is resurrected in fire. That's one thing I think will happen. Last but not least, King of Winter folklore. It foreshadows this whole thing. So check out my King of Winter stream, but if you know anything about King of Winter folklore, you know that this is a tradition from European folklore related to the Green Man and the Wicker Man. The King of Winter essentially is a little wicker man made of dead stalks from the fall harvest, which is bound together. It's made into a little dude. We keep him through the winter. And then in the spring, you burn him, light him on fire to usher in the spring, celebrate the end of winter. Yeah. So John being burned to usher in the spring and rising as a fiery King of Winter, a burning green man. Well, it's actually been predicted for hundreds of years in a manner of speaking. Now, I'll make more videos about this topic as we do read-alongs for various chapters that seem to foreshadow John's resurrection. And actually check out the Burning of Mance Raider, a Dance with Dragons John 3 read-along stream that we just did last week, as that one has Mance's burned in the cage. It's a weirwood cage. Check that one out. So make sure you're subscribed to the channel, guys. That way you'll never miss a video or live stream. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for supporting the channel. Shout out to my patrons and squishers. I'll see you again very soon. Sunday, Starry Wisdom live streams. Pretty consistent now. Always at 3 p.m. Pacific time on Sunday. So come and join us. And if you don't have the time, then just wait for the next produced video. I'll be doing these every week going forward. So cheers, guys. Take care. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.